We must, of course, first thank our Daddy's favourite level patrons. So William Orkner, Banjo Stewie, Adam Ferris, Brian C and Harry Hypnotist. Please know, you are Daddy's favourites. Now on with the show. Hello, and welcome to the Kinky Boys podcast. This podcast contains strong language and scenes of an explicit sexual nature from the very start. Are you ready? Good. Then we'll begin. This episode of the Kinky Boys podcast is sponsored by Bearspace, building big, beautiful and well-rounded butts. For more information and to sign up, visit patreon.com slash kinkyboyspod. Bearspace. Makes your next move, makes your next porn site. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Kinky Boys podcast. Now, we can't resist trends, so we posted one of those notgoingtolie.com links so you could ask us questions anonymously. We got quite a few, and we won't be reading all of them in this episode because some of them basically deserve their own episode, because some of them were quite deep questions. However... And some of them are filth. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But for this, we have a medley of questions to go through that you people asked us. So we had a mix of like deep questions and sort of light fun ones and some that we were actually quite puzzled over. We'll get to that one last. But so shall we begin with the first one? Hello, I'm Buster. (laughs) If Craig's not going to introduce me, I'm sure I can introduce myself as everyone knows who I am by now. But should we start with? Are you defined by your kinks? So my answer is yes. My answer is, I don't know, maybe I'm defined by being a weirdo for sure. Yeah. But I'm not so sure about whether the kinks particularly define me. I'm defined by being kinky, just as I'm defined by being a little bit, ah. Yeah, like... (laughs) What in this question does defined by mean? As in, is it one of the most major factors of my life? Well, like being kinky has opened up like the kinky community, the leather community to me, which is my social circle. It gives me a sense of community and support. So yes, it does play a massive role in my life. Well, I think like when we think about being defined by something, we're thinking about what is what other people might think about you yeah if you go okay if you were to ask anyone about craig what did you say okay yeah boot black you'd say sub you'd say bear you'd say actually our queer identities are really important up there exactly and if people were to ask about me they might go leather guy even though i still insist i'm not actually that much of a leather guy i just care about having a community where Being kind is more important than being right. I find that for a lot of leather guys. A lot of leather guys like very conspiratorially say, I'm not that into leather. I just like the community. And it's this big secret. Everyone seems to think they're the odd one out. Which is why we have such a broad dress code in in London to go, yeah, you can wear leather, you can wear rubber, you can wear pop gear. I don't care, providing you're not a dick. Yeah, (laughs) so... The London Leathermen, basically, if you actually look at, like, what's it? I mean, it's not actually written down in I don't think, but in the charter, it's for fetish gear, not just leather. 
thinking about being defined by your kinks, though, I, I, I kind of find it quite interesting that different kind of parts of the kink scene are more or less likely to kind of have this as a defining side of it. Obviously, the Leathermen, that kind of like viewed from the outside, people kind of collapse Leathermen into one picture, which is the bluff guy. Yeah. And people, we tend to see that like the, the, the fisting pigs tend to be really into being fisting pigs and it's their entire life. And yeah, so that, that becomes much more defined. But if you're super into like master slave total power exchange, actually a lot of those guys outside of, I say the bedroom, the bedroom in this is everything inside their front door or like in the kink scene in very public exhibitionist spaces. Outside of that, they're not really defined by their kinks because they're doing it. They don't have anything to prove to anyone. They're doing what, what everyone else wants to do. And I find that quite interesting. The people that are usually loudest about their kinks are the ones that might have some insecurities around it. Yeah. Speaking for myself as well. And I also think, well, what's the alternative? Do you want to be defined by your day job? Like your nine to five office job or whatever you do? Do you want that to be your defining feature of your life? I seem to remember seeing a statistic that was like two-thirds of straight marriages in this country, the couple met at work. Yeah, which is, I cannot understand, like, the concept. Here we go. Oh, no, it's a third. Yeah, but just, like, that idea is just horrific to me. This idea of, like, cheery life. Yeah. I'm going to run an actuarial podcast. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I think we fairly covered it. It's yes, and there's no shame in having it be one of the biggest features of your life. Like, my only other feature, like, the only other feature I really have is the fact that I really like autumn. And I can only be an autumn influencer fall girl for, like, two, three months of the year. So, Yes. <laughs> You can be like, welcome to my channel. I'm so glad you've come here. Let me show you around. Let me show you my arboretum. Here we have 47 types of autumnal plants. If you notice here, we have a genuine forest cabin full of bears naked. I mean, I do want to do more video stuff for the future. All... So, yeah. Yes. So, shall we move on yeah. to the next we question? We are ridiculous. Yes. Tips on conflicts, jealousy, resolution? Question mark. In short, find out where the jealousy is coming from. Where's the conflict coming from? Talk about it. And deal with the insecurity that, that's underlying that jealousy. Somebody doesn't feel loved. Somebody doesn't feel yeah. valued. Somebody's priorities are different from your priorities. Yeah, it's essentially jealousy and envy are cover emotions. And it's if you're feeling jealousy, it's sort of you need to sort of dig around and find out what's at the root of that. What are you not getting? What have you not been fulfilled in? Or what fears do you have that are driving this? And then openly and honestly discuss that with your partner. And, you know. And the partner can sort of talk around 
well, what can they do to further reassure you? Are they not giving you enough time? Do they need to reschedule? Or is it they're not doing something? Or is it just you need to hear the words more? You need to hear reassurance more? I think there's an often kind of like an interest. Like if we take like the standard like societal trope of jealousy, it's like that meme where the guy is looking at that girl and the other, his girlfriend is looking horrified at him. And it's just there. It's, yeah. Okay. You, you, you've got a list of priorities and you want to be the top of the other person's list of priorities. But also it's kind of, well, what are you, what are you trying to get out of this relationship? And if you're in a situation oh. where what you want out of the relationship is love and affection, but you're in a kinky relationship and that is not about that then there's going to be a problem. If you're, what you're looking for is hard kink and you've got a vanilla boyfriend, it doesn't matter. Or let's say you're the vanilla boyfriend and your boyfriend's into hard kink. And he goes, oh, yeah. don't worry, babe. I, I, I only look at you. I'm only paying attention to you. Like that classic trope of like somebody who's definitely cheating. <laughs> and it's just sort of, why do those words, those words mean nothing because they don't speak to the fear they don't address the conflict that is underlying there which is actually like i am not meeting my partner's needs and therefore i know that they are going to look elsewhere like because they're a human being and i would look elsewhere in that situation and therefore i'm jealous and often jealousy uh, it's a projection. The people that are the, the ones that accuse their partners of cheating so often are the ones who are actually cheating themselves. The ones that are insisting on going through their partner's oh, yeah. phones all the time and refusing to re respect their privacy are usually the ones that are breaking the rules themselves. And that, yeah. They're like, otherwise, oh, yeah. why is cheating at the, the top the... of your mind? Yeah, a lot of it comes from very fear-based mm -hmm. mindset. Yeah, like... At the end of the day, it, it, it all comes down to communication and knowing yourself, which is often a lot mm. easier said than done, but they are the basic keys to having a good, healthy relationship. Yeah. Know thyself, know the other person, and communicate freely. And yeah, like, look, all relationships end, and all what we have in a relationship is not something to grab hold of and we must seize this and refuse to let the other person grow or for us to grow apart or anything like that. Mm -hmm. A relationship is two partners on a journey together and at some point that journey is going to split. Whether it's because you have an amazing life together and you're 85 years old and holding hands, one of you is going to die first. If you're not down that situation, which is 99.9% .9 of relationships, then you're going to grow apart. And the question is, do you call it quits when, you, when it becomes clear that it's not working? Or do you call it quits six months down the line when you're screaming at each other? It's, it's about recognizing, yeah, it's... great, we've had a good innings. We're not able to meet each other's needs right now we have yeah 
Like we, we don't hate each other, but neither of us see a way out of this. We'll be honest about this and it's not a failure. It's not, oh, don't you give up on me kind of mentality. It's just, hey, this is this is relationships in I a mean, nutshell. You've hit on something very important there, which is if a relationship ends, that is not a failure of a relationship. That is people moving on or progressing or changing. It is not a failure. It's not all oh, these years we've had together are wasted. You had a great time. No, because you enjoyed those years it, together. Just because you've had some good years in the past, does that then mean you have to endure mm. a whole bunch of horrible years until you hate the sight of each other? And then what? Yeah, I don't want to play down that, oh, well, you should be fine when the no. breakup happens. Like, you still need time to mourn mm-hmm. what has passed. Like, if something passes, and you mourn it. Like, we're yeah. dealing with something where something has come between a relationship and you are sad that you're broken up. You need to take time to mourn it. And then through doing so, you grow mm-hmm. as a human being and you grow as a, uh, as a partner for your next partner. The... The issue is only really if people kind of bounce from one relationship to the next, desperately trying to kind of keep themselves away from being lonely, alone with their thoughts. And it's just like, no, you need to be alone with your thoughts. You need to have a solid think about what, what's happened and like what went well, what went less well, yeah. what behaviors of yours cause problems, what behaviors in the other person prompted bad behavior on your part. So this isn't about a blame game. This Mm. is about taking the opportunity for growth and then going, right, okay, I'm going to try and do X, Y, and Z better in my next relationship. And it doesn't need to be a a completely like all encompassing process of like personal redevelopment. But also if you've been in a relationship for a while, you need to, not carry those mistakes into the next relationship. Yeah. Sorry, we got very meta there from yeah, it... conflict and jealousy. <laughs> so you should break up. No, no, but it, at the end of the day, it is about this all ties into just how unhealthy society in general has sort of taught people how relationships should work. I keep more and more seeing the term toxic monogamy pop up or or default monogamy because again like toxic masculinity of that like monogamy is not bad it's, not for me you know perfectly valid lifestyle choices yeah. <laughs> no but this is the thing it's but the fact that it is default and it is often founded on some very unhealthy communication methods shown in media mm. and that sort of stuff it yeah, there are things to unpick there. And when we're talking about conflict resolution of jealousy, it does lead into all these mm. other things. Whereas it's just sort of like, I think it's really nice mm. when I wander over in a club and my boyfriend's getting railed by a stranger. It's just, go you, you got dick. There's dick here. And when that oh, stranger's yeah. done, I may come and put my dick in you because that's just fun because you're pre-lubed. Initially, I used to be jealous when I saw it. I was like, kind of initially jealous? And then OU came in. Look at my boyfriend, the lovely slut. But now it's just like, yeah, it's moved past that because I recognize what the, yeah, I want power. But you can't really have <laughs> that kind of power in, yeah. a, in a, like, 
an equitable relationship. You, yeah, you have to. You, you either have a power relationship twenty four seven, but yeah, having just a power relationship in the bedroom and nowhere else in the relationship, and trying to be boyfriends is really hard work. Which is why so many kinky boyfriends don't oh, yeah. actually fuck. I mean, yeah, also in that description touched on compersion, which is essentially the opposite of jealousy, where like seeing your partner happy brings you happiness because you're seeing them fulfilled and because you don't have fears you can enjoy them on that note (laughs) would you ever be friends benefit i mean we have literally just talked about how neither of us are monogamous and like my entire social circle is leather men and most of them have power exchange fetishes and Mm. mindsets Yes. I find this really interesting because I am a feelings kind of guy. Surprise, surprise. You never guess this, mm-hmm. Internet. If I fuck somebody too often, I will get feelings for them. And I think part of that is the fact that I won't fuck somebody who I don't like, who I don't have some kind of interest in as a person. So having friends with benefits kind of yeah. makes sense, but actually a lot of the time I end up having fuck buddies. <clears throat> like I feel like a friends with benefits mm-hmm. is hey, you're my friend, but we also fuck. But something changes for me when we fuck. And it's just like okay, like a booty call where you get on really well. That's but yeah, like a friends with benefits for me, I think that, that friends would probably cross the line at some point and then we'd be in a like polyamory thing that my boyfriend did wasn't entirely there for maybe i don't know yeah like i have a few people who get into sort of a fuzzy space and these people i tend to call brothers like leather brothers Mm -hmm. sort of stuff where sort of like they're very close friends and I feel very dear to them and vice versa, but it's not romantic. Yeah. It's like just a very deep friendship mm-hmm. love in a way that I find really hard yeah. to describe because society again, doesn't really have the vocabulary around that. It's like you're either romantically in love or you're just well, friends. I mean, platonic love, yeah. but equally, I mean, yeah, like, this is the thing, that, that kind of the idea of fucking my friends. I used to only fuck my friends. And I think we should be clear here, like, we talk about fucking, Not it doesn't anal, have to be physical yeah. fucking, it can just be any yeah, sort of yeah. play. I used to only fuck my friends, and now, so I played with somebody who is very very dear to me who i yeah i love I, I love him very much and we spend a good amount of time together and then we kind of went mm-hmm. actually it wasn't really doing it for him for us to be playing because like he wants to really hurt guys who he's fucking with his enormous <laughs> dick and it's just like okay this is this is a lot for me as a bottom and i'm not here this much as a bottom mm, yeah. this is really hard work typical bottom Yeah, I'm I'm not a bottom, so like getting fucked by a (laughs) large penis was really quite hard work. Mm. And yeah, then it's okay. Well, also it's just kind of okay. What space does that fill for him? I love him very, very much, 
as a as platonically and then yeah just actually is it is it crossing a line mm-hmm. uh, i'll fuck my friends yeah. but probably not too often yeah like i'm demisexual most of my relationships start off as friendships and progress from there i i, I find demi such an so... interesting identity because i mean if i I would probably define as demisexual. I can't fuck a stranger. There's no benefit to that. Yeah, for me. Like, like I've tried it several times and it's just miserable for me. In my younger days, I tried to do dark rooms and saunas so much and it never really clicked or felt yeah. comfortable for me. It's always. But there was also that thing because I saw other people just thoroughly enjoying it and just being able to connect with people on a sexual level just from like pure attraction on site and you know i've kind of felt why isn't this clicking for me like the best description i've heard of demisexuality is you have a complicated relationship with your libido because i have a libido i get excited like i get very turned on but i need there to be something there over Tied, so, right? This may be two autistic guys talking to each other. Mm-hmm. As so, the one, one of the reasons that I do like going around with strangers is because the mm-hmm. social norms are obscured. I like when you've been friends with somebody for a while, like you have all of this shit nailed down to some degree. Like having somebody who you've talked to a bit on social media. And who you have, like, there's a mutual feeling of lust between you, and you've talked a lot online, even. Like, I can do that. I have them around session, like, first time physically meeting them. I think because of the, those social norms are established and we have something in common, as well as just, yeah, this, okay, we know what roles we're playing here. This is already established, whereas with the stranger, it's just like, can't, it's, I, I say it a lot on this podcast, like, you, you can't have it, there's no power in a dark room. Like, you can't, you can pretend to have power in a dark room, but if somebody doesn't know who you are, then are they actually submitting to you? No. I mean, going back to what you said about two autistic people, it's like, looking into, like, terms like neuroqueer, how, like, a lot of autistic people identify like on a broader mm-hmm. gender spectrum and someone broke it down it's because most gendered stuff is part of masking for an autistic person mm-hmm. and it's it's the facade you build up for a neurotypical society and when you step away from that your entire relationship to that gender is masking so what's there when you're not mm-hmm. masking is why you get a lot of genderqueer people in the autistic community as well as a lot of demisexual people in the autistic mm. community. And um, I find the idea of, like, something that's always stuck with me is that, like, I was born into a world that told me that, like, okay, here are the rules, and those rules were obviously wrong. Right, it's okay. You're gonna get yeah. married and have kids, and you're gonna do that. I fucking what? You, you must be having a fucking laugh. I'm not doing any of that shit. So it's okay, right? So if you're not straight, then suddenly we become queer people are much more likely to have polyamory or to fuck around and to be able to still have a relationship with that. 
and open relationships are a really kind of normal thing there because like we've already established that society's rules are bullshit. We're already crossing yeah, a line. It... And so with autistic people, I feel, okay, all of society's rules, like, I think at some point I went, I don't care about these anymore. There are the ones that I really need to follow. And that's not even like the, I won't murder because I'm not a murderer, right? But like the, the society's yeah. rules, like generally speaking, I've got so fed up of trying to fight, like work them all out, all of these invisible silent rules about what you should say and what you shouldn't say that I think when I was a kid, I just went, fuck it. <laughs> I don't care about any of these. And then it's, you know what? I can, yeah. I can do this. I can come on a podcast and, and help to help run a podcast about, about Phil like sexual deviancy of the highest degree yeah. and i don't give a fuck <laughs> and eventually somebody in my work will find a lot of this and i'm just like, yeah and yeah i mean let's face it most of your colleagues already know something about <laughs> most me. of my industry knows that i'm a filthy queer yeah speaking of marriage and murder <laughs> that actually segues into our next question that is a segue <laughs> and a half Smooth. Thinking <laughs> about murder and marriage. So let's see. We have a classic shag marry kill. Zangief from uh, Street Fighter, Kratos from God of War, or Wolverine from the X. Okay. Very, very clear. We need to clarify. So Zangief is a one dimensional character. Kratos. Which yeah. Kratos? Young Kratos? Or. Daddy Kratos. I'm going to go for, just because of it, Dad yep. boy. Next, which Wolverine? Like, Wolverine in the original X-Men, in the comics, is very different from Wolverine in Logan the film. Because well, Logan the film, granted, he has issues, but he is a much more sexy person as Logan than he is as original X-Men. Like, Granted, he has an alcohol so problem, I'm... which I would probably try and fix him. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, no, don't go no, down no, that no. I recognise that. I will say comic book. This is the thing. I was never that into comics, so how uh... much do I know about that character? Okay. Uh, I this mean, is the Shaq Mary the Kill. 90s Why cartoon? am I so... Yeah. <laughs> Why am I... I must know more about this. No, I didn't watch the 90... 90s cartoon either. This is a tough one. I think I will... I would probably marry Wolverine because then I could holiday on Krakow. I would shag Kratos and kill Zangief simply because Kratos has proven if you kill him, he will punch his way out of hell and get revenge on you. That's like his central motivation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, shag Kratos and kill yeah. Zangief. You know what? I'd probably go down the same way if this I don't know how many games and like background space. stuff there is. My friend had a snares with uh, Street Fighter oh. Turbo, I think it was, and we used to play together. So one, Zangief was, I think he was the typical like Western image of like a, a Russian bully. It's just, look, all you can do, Russia, is be like giant bullies. Topical. And I'm actually on his Street Fighter fandom wiki. <laughs> <laughs> he 
Yeah, um, are we going to get deep lore? Seriously. But uh, yeah, this is like in battles, he constantly belittles his opponent's small muscular build and blaming their losses on their lack of muscular power. And it's just okay, oh. I can see myself being Van Geef. <laughs> Erase his mind and steal his body. And yeah, that that's something I could be more... Not that face, though. Yeah, yeah like... It, 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 it would be fun. It would be like riding a bouncy castle. Like piloting a, a mobile bouncy castle. But yeah, so Zangief I would probably kill. I would kill his brain and take over. Uh, and then, yeah, Kratos... You know... I would love to rail Kratos, like Daddy mm-hmm. Kratos, face down, like not just like over, like he's wood chopping, and like I lift up his kilt and rail him. No, just like he's face down in a bed, making like pathetic bottom noises as I pound his prostate and I make him whimper. I make him wear a skirt, a little like rubber mini skirt as I absolutely destroy him. <laughs> Keep Kratos locked. How fucking fun would that be? Interesting okay, now I've, got, now I've got a semi. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put... I, 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 I want to force Femme and, and make him into, like, a little cat boy. <laughs> cat boy Kratos. Like, yeah, like, cat boy Kratos, like, barra boy, who does as he's told, mm. and wears a little skirt and... and yeah, and, and, and a tiny little chastity cage. This is the thing, with like how huge he is and how large oh. he is portrayed, like I can imagine him having a little dick that would fit really nicely in like a really small cobra cage. And then we can tell him he's, he doesn't need... We don't need this. This is useless. This isn't useful for anything. Let's lock that away. And uh, yeah, don't need... <laughs> Like this, <laughs> this thing isn't any use, and yeah, he can cut wood and be my bitch. And then yeah, Logan, I would probably just end up like rolling my eyes ninety percent of the time, and it would have I mean, like a, a Las Vegas marriage and then a divorce. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: Logan classically has tons of ex-wives and or ex-partners. He's always going to be busy because also constantly on every team in the marvel universe so all the different x-men ones avengers he's going on missions every five minutes going to space while you get to either live in the x-mansion which it's a mansion or you get to live on in the more recent comics krakoa which is a virtual paradise yeah i mean the mansion doesn't really hold it for me i don't know if it's just like my my left wing side coming out i mean granted like that way it's okay we are the downtrodden and we live in this wonderful mansion and mm. we will lord it over everyone else but there seems to be to be to be around a mutant is to be i just realized how ridiculous this is <laughs> yeah. We're putting lots of uh, so we both yeah. would kill zangief mm-hmm. shag kratos and marry yeah. wolverine straight logan yes cool yeah Perfectly logical. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next question. How have your hard limits changed since you started Kink? 
I don't think I would have talked about killing somebody, taking over their brain and uh, taking over their body and then living as them and having their body as my puppet in order to have sex with people. Like, I don't think that would have been yeah. something I would have considered <laughs> inside no, like... my, well, outside of my limits, maybe when I started kink. The merging of niche furry communities into the wider kink community has opened up a whole new door of surrealist like conflation. Yeah. I mean, conflation really is the tip of the iceberg. I'd not come for a month when I fucked James the other day. So conflation is a legit thing. Yeah. So I feel like hard limits. My, my relationship to limits has changed so much. Mm. So I would say, like, I have, I have many more soft limits, but many, much fewer hard limits than I had. In that, actually, like, it's like having a like in any particular relationship, there's a whole bunch of soft limits of stuff I wouldn't do with this person, like, unless something was to unless we were to put structures in place, like I'd be willing to try it, but I wouldn't be, this is my kink. Let me pee on you, James, because it's not really his kink getting peed on. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so it's, that's then kind of a soft limit because I want him to have fun. And I really care about him. Whereas hard limits for me, hard and soft limits for me was always about me having fun. If that makes sense. Yeah. In a way. It's, it's like, like I bring my shopping list, you bring your shopping list, you bring your no-nos, and I bring my no-nos. But like yeah. the only thing I ever kind of put in really clear terms with my like hard limits, I was just trying to put up my recon. But it's like like animals or any kind of animalia I think I've gotten there because I saw mm. a thing of somebody having an insect like an a centipede in their in their piss hole anything involving insect <clears throat> arthropods or annelids yeah. or animalia of any kind <laughs> i went <laughs> uh being cold or being hungry because they just kill the mood for me vomit necro and the one like actual kink i have on here which is finger sounding <laughs> that's my really? list of hard limits oh. finger sounding just looks like butchery like actually putting a finger in there is it doesn't strike me as safe sane thing to do like from an infectious point of view from a trauma point of view yeah from a pelvic health in general like point of view in terms of like a long healthy sex life it doesn't seem like something that's conducive to that yeah i think this is interesting because the way you're talking about it you're talking essentially about sort of measuring by consequence rather than having a laundry list of things you will and won't do yeah because like i don't do scat with most people Mm -hmm. because like i don't find the smell appealing but that said i think there's a lot all right okay i'm gonna get a bit gross here for a lot of people but Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of people that when they're on the toilet in the morning spend way too long (laughs) on the toilet and will like take a deep breath and inhale like a lot of people do that and just go that smells weird and interesting but it's not oh my god i must leave this room straight away because i'm inhaling fecal matter 
and spoiler that's what you're doing and whenever there's that smell in the room as the same room as your toothbrush there is fecal matter all over your toothbrush so this is a rush of listeners rushing to their bathroom (laughs) don't put your toothbrush in bleach (laughs) yeah because it won't get off the fecal matter (laughs) this is why you're told to replace it they're talking about toothbrushes but how many people play with their phones while on the toilet You would not believe how much fecal matter is on your phone screen at all times. Mm -hmm. Which is why there's often stuff in the medical world in which I work where we wipe down our phones with Clonel wipes regularly. And yeah, if you shake somebody's hand, then you need to wash your hands afterwards. Yes. Um, Anyway, back to the limits. Limits. Yeah, when we're not talking about shit. But this is the thing. So there's a lot of shit in the world and a, a lot of people have a kind of societal rejection of shit. But if you're with somebody that really, really likes shit and you're able to just kind of explore that and they were really happy mm-hmm. and it didn't touch you and it didn't kind of like involve you in any way, you just kind of, yeah, like <laughs> the the old thing, like straight people, so often straight kinksters, the amount of scat enthusiasts and they're yeah scat i love it (laughs) and it's like people talk about it in the pub and in straight kink events and it's just like really really open whereas in the fetish world in in the gay world we're like no that's a sign of a bottom who claims he knew his body (laughs) like that's a bad thing and it's just like yeah i mean if i'm fucking somebody and a bit of shit comes out who cares like that's what yeah. that happens. But there are people that will absolutely freak out. Yeah. So like... you've got your, if you have a really strong disgust reaction towards something, you mm-hmm. have to examine why. Yeah. It's. So I'm just thinking because in one of our bonus episodes, which I believe, yes, which uh, I unlocked. Boner episodes, which I unlocked to the feed. I did talk about some of my hard limits and it was like, permanent body changes mm-hmm. and in the six months since we recorded that <laughs> i you know i have had a permanent body modification under essentially you under a power change yes <laughs> and you had you had your brain wiped and replaced with a new personality <laughs> in accordance with his wishes yep yeah no you got a tattoo no. yeah welcome yeah, to tattoo i got world. a tattoo yeah it's true what they say. Once you have one, you're like, oh, I don't think I could do that again. In a couple of months, you're like, I could do it for another tattoo. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, part of a power exchange relationship I have at the minute is to deliberately push my limits and see if I can get them to change them, which mm-hmm. I'm quite excited to engage in. And that in itself becomes like a kink. Yeah. So it's okay. Like I probably have more limits now than when I started because like, I'm a bit older. I know what I, I know what I don't, and I'm I'm lazy at this stage. Like I've been I've been in the kink scene for a long time. I've explored a lot, and sex isn't like yeah. my libido's been on a down for the last what like fifteen months or so, and that's fine. And it's just like, okay, sex isn't as important to me right now. It will be again in the future. And then I'll turn into an absolute beast where I need to know everyone's hard limits in advance because I have no limits, trademark. Yeah. It's, but, yeah. Over the years, there have been so many sort of hard limits that I did just because the idea of the action put me off initially, like CBT. Yeah. I, I was very hard, like no CBT, like I 
you know, who wants their balls to be hit and hurt? And then I had a Dom introduce it to me very gently and slowly and like build up over time. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I can see why people go for this. Mm-hmm. It's not something I do regularly. Like it has to be a skilled Dom who knows what they're doing. But like mm. I've sort of learned since then, like I am aware that in certain circumstances, I may be willing to try new things so mm-hmm. long as they don't cause permanent damage to my body. Or have a, you know, likelihood of death. Yeah, so I got to the stage where with CBT, I did cause permanent damage to my body. Yeah, my left ball is now my... I shouldn't say this on the podcast. It's like my... (laughs) But I cannot take any pressure, any... If I pull my pants up too quickly, it has been... a. Medical disclaimer, I have had it fully investigated. There, it is not, there's, yeah, it's basically like the nervous system in that area end up becoming hypersensitive after it was crushed. And yeah, it's like not much that can be done about it, but equally like it's not painful. It doesn't cause me any issue day to day. I just can't do CBT anymore. And we've got, we've got friends in the scene who probably like they've been told by doctors, well, yeah, your, your testicular cancer was probably related to your, your love of CBT. And yeah, like ultimately the more damage an area has, the more it needs to heal. And the more something needs to heal, the more likelihood there is of, well, cells are dividing, the more likely there is for malignancy. but everything that we do has risk involved and it's okay is that are you aware of that risk and is that risk high enough for you to be in any way concerned about it this is the thing it's it's always difficult where do you draw that line because for one thing like in the past on this podcast we have talked about silicone infusion Mm. and i've had to post a lot of edited disclaimers to that episode because since then (laughs) there were a lot of high profile deaths yeah and it's sort of like and you know i'm i'm friends with people who have had silicone enhancements and it's sort of i i don't feel in good conscience i can encourage people to do it or say you should do it i'm just stick to saline instead and simply because i feel it kind of does cross that line into too dangerous yeah and that's everyone's i think one of the things that like social media has a problem with in some regards is this thing of like somebody has a kink that is not that they have looked at the risk and other people really don't like the fact that they have made a risk decision that's and yeah it's like how much of social media is Oh, how do I put this? Is comes from moralizing more than it's the moralizing, but there's also like the I, I'm thinking about like the advertising nature of it. So to give an yeah. example, I commented I, I was talking about steroids at one point, and hmm. I replied that actually, in terms of anabolic steroid use in in like forced workouts, I would absolutely discuss that with the bottom with the sub who, who, who we were working out with and actually only in particular times when they're needing it because their, their workout is reduced. Like I, I have a well thought out 
educated position on it that's not just based on I think I know what I'm doing it's based on a career but that is not a like I absolutely got torn to shreds talking about it there because people weren't happy with the fact that oh well you, you you're an active member of the kink scene so therefore you're giving legitimacy and other people who don't have the all the information might be feel like that they're able to do it when they don't have that that information and it's that's that's a stretch that's a real stretch yeah it's like i I wish to put it online though and this is the thing it's how much responsibility do you have online because at the end of the day we have a large listenership we do kind of position ourselves as sort of like kink educators we position ourselves almost as an authority on kink in a way, but also people do have free will and sort of where do you draw the line? Because we mm. do have a responsibility, but how much of a responsibility to defend people from making their own stupid choices? Mm. Yeah, I I think we just have to be... I mean, the online discussion is... It's probably for another day because, I mean, there's so much going on, yeah. especially right now in the world. But yeah, I feel I, I've reached a point of going, you know what, Like, if, if putting something online could draw unreasonable attention, then I won't put it online. But yeah, like I, I, if somebody was to see a fisting post or like a picture of somebody getting fisted, and then, yeah, for basically from that, just try and get, like, basically take a fist, just like straight up, bam, in, and they injured themselves. It's why well, you shouldn't have been a fucking moron, should you? Like, <laughs> at the bottom line, like, that's your responsibility as the person that decided to do that. And if yeah. something contentious is online and somebody decides to try it without, taking into account the research of the risks or anything like that. I mean, if they then went and did shit tons of research and did it and like, they were going to do it anyway. And it was just, okay, this one person triggered you. Well, then you were probably going to do it. But then again, it's sort of, we're talking about a single incident. If I use Locktober for this, for this sort of discussion, it's like, Oh, that's peer pressure. Well, exactly. Whenever Locktober comes around, there is a community peer pressure to sort of collectively go, how long can you stay locked? You should stay locked a long time. And at that point, it's sort of, no, you're being irresponsible there. You're pushing a very negative, harmful idea that because it's communal and big, people will accept it as the norm. Mm. You know, being locked for ages is a normal thing that you should be able to achieve. Yeah, as I said, like the whole thing about chat, like I'm super into chastity and I'm yeah. super into head fucking guys with chastity who are just like boys who are eager to please and getting them to t- t- tie themselves in knots and convince themselves that they really, really want this because I want it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so much of what's online is oh these guys it like new guys especially in the in the in the sub world or like pups and stuff like that okay i have to be locked in order to get friends which is a really problematic situation yeah 
And it is all that thing of like, if you post a re- like images or video from a really intense scene, mm-hmm. how much responsibility do you also have to have like a follow up post of? And this is the prep you didn't see, and this is the aftercare uh, you don't see. It's yeah. like the kink dot com videos always show the actors yeah. afterwards in the bathrobes doing, you know, this is what we do to calm down. I mean, this is that's what we like a legal disclaimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and it is. Can you? just share a fantasy online without context because you're mm-hmm. like letting it off into the world like that it, again mm. it's a complicated question like we're asking questions and i don't really have a clear answer because it's a fuzzy you have to judge each situation as it comes mm-hmm. this could be a whole episode on like limits and social media and like the boundaries of the world and like, yeah i am making a note because we are going to yeah. get into this yeah, fine. Yeah. But our hard limits have changed since we started Kink, but not in the way yes. you might expect. Yes. I think that's a good place to do it. And that mm-hmm. leaves us with our last question, which is the one we was a bit confused about. Because this is something we have not come across before. Yeah, so this question, let's, let me read it out. What is your opinion on Kink red-pilling and other politically focused play? I have never heard the term kink red pilling before. And nor have I. We learn something my, every day. Yeah. My assumption is it's essentially playing about with sort of the language and ideas of sort of red pilling, MAGA, right wing symbolism in a form of role play. That's what I assumed it to be. What did you think when you heard that term? So I was, is this like kind of, yeah, psychologically, like initially I was thinking, oh, kink red pilling might be like fucking around with helping people under open their eyes and like realize that all of sexuality is a scam and like kind of open their mind and kind of like almost mm-hmm. break them into this realization that like they can do any fucking fetish that they want to and they don't have to give a shit what society thinks about it. So Um, kink pilling them. (laughs) Yeah. Or just, yeah. Opening your mind. And like the, the red pill, obviously the red pill concept comes from the the matrix and Morpheus offering the red pill and the blue pill. And the blue pill means you go back to sleep. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. And red pill is you... Take uh, estrogen, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. That's why they pick the red pill. That's what it it's is. Estrogen. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. And the blue pill, going back to taking Viagra, yeah. The, 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 so the, the, the red pill, what is it? You, you stay on the ride and see how deep the rabbit hole goes? Yeah, it's basically and, the red and, pill wakes like, you up. Yeah. But of course, and, and right the, wing the thing grows. Is they're not, yeah, they're not waking up. They're yeah. subscribing to a whole bunch of delusions, which I feel like could... Could represent a lot of the fetch scene as well. Who seems to? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like I know tea bags and joysticks. They had on an only fan creator who makes content where he basically acts as a dummy top in a maga hat, and it has like right wing connotations to a lot of the stuff. I guess like this podcast for me is like the opposite. It's like I'm the dumb top 
who with so hard socialist tendencies who will take mm-hmm. your money and give it to charity. I'm going to rob you Tory shit. I'm going to come into your house and tie you up and take your family heirlooms and sell them and give them money to charity. Like that's my idea of pin doming. So yeah, yeah like, like- like class in play is very interesting i know a lot of people into fundom deal a lot with sort Mm. of class signifiers around wealth and power Mm. yeah i mean we've talked about it before like the idea of like fundom being like a working class like a, a, a financial exchange from the middle class to the working class that in which the working class are the powerful ones rather than the receivers of charity yeah just i feel like it's so much in our society now a plumber can earn so much more than if you're a middle class kid you'll end up working in a call center but actually if you're working class and you don't have snotty pride then your parents will let you train to be a plumber and then you're going to be loaded so yeah like the but that i mean so much of this ties in with like the old-fashioned snobbishness of the nouveau riche like the 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 aristocrats used to hate the nouveau riche but actually yeah this playing around with that i think when you talk about political play i think that's naturally almost like an american way of thinking about it because in america it's politics but in the uk we get straight to the the nuts and bolts of it and call it class because america's in class war it just doesn't recognize it Whereas the problem with Britain is we talk about class, but we kind of don't actually recognize class. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is where it's going to get really my bugbear is whenever the news programs want to talk to someone working class, they basically get an old white man with a northern accent who owns his own home and, Mm. you know. Who has bought it under money. right to buy was born, yeah. yeah, was born working class, but is now not working class because he's yeah. the land. He has started. the northern <laughs> accent and the flat cap yeah. and the attitude yeah. that you think of as the signifier for working class. But this is why those those people ended up voting Tory at the last election because they're hmm. because they're landowners. Yeah, and, it, it and get... I've started to refer not to, but like uh, all of my work with London mm. Leatherman, I've met loads and loads of boomers who actually a lot of them are very working class and amazing role models to me. And a lot of them are landed gentry who are themselves landlords and stuff like that. And they just happened to come into the property when it was to a penny and they worked hard for it. But yeah, that they're now uh, they've now got all these properties that they don't know what to do with, and so they rent them out, and they just look at what the market rent is, and yeah, that'll do. I mean, um, going back to the whole thing of making play out of this, I just, I now just have an image of someone spanking someone for having avocado on toast too much. <laughs> Why didn't you save your money for a deposit? You could have had a house by now. Spank, spank, spank. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like. Oh my point... god, I've just got this vision of a bottom <laughs> being spanked with a massive paddle by an older man shouting, Help, help, I'm being cancelled. Third class play. Well, I mean, yeah. Like. <sighs> So much of this, I feel, is probably tied into taboo stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. 
there is such a taboo around politics that's very hard to grapple with. And mm-hmm. when stuff is big and scary like that, the brain eroticizes it for a lot of people. Mm. And like I say this over and over again on the podcast, it's kink play can be a sandbox to deal with and go through difficult concepts and ideas and darker parts of our psyche in a sort of safe walled off space Mm -hmm. i mean the go-to example is kind of race play where like that deals with some very real societal and generational trauma and power structures that is so big and difficult to deal with but if you put it into a kink context you can get a catharsis and a release Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And my thing is just understand when you are going back to the original question. I'm fine with people doing what they want to do sort of in the bedroom. As long as you understand if it's from a place of being a taboo topic, respect that in sort of the wider community. Mm-hmm. So I've had discussions with people where they've had encounters with people into race play. Mm-hmm. And it's the people who are really vocal and open about it are often the least equipped and trustworthy to do it with Mm. if that makes sense yeah it's like no you're not playing you're just being racist and you want an excuse yeah Yeah, basically it's like so many of these like oh i'm playing at being an abusive thing no you're just you're just a dick and it's the same with Nazi uniforms. It's like people oh. who plaster themselves everywhere with Nazi uniforms is it's getting off on freaking people out. And no, mm. you just enjoy showing yourself as a Nazi. If it's the yeah. taboo aspect, most people don't advertise it and like just yeah, keep it, it to the bedroom. Private. Yeah, because otherwise, why would you want to normalize that? Why would you want to? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you going with that? Otherwise, yeah, yeah. Like, if you want to show it off to the world, then, yeah, this isn't about taboo anymore. This is about exhibitionism. Yeah. 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 So, so end yeah, of the day, just be aware of the concepts you're playing with. Just do it in the sandbox. You know, just mm. be aware you're kind of playing with fire. But again, most kinks are. Yeah. 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 I think that wraps it up. Yeah. So that's all of that's our questions i enjoyed reading them again we do have more these are deeper questions that are going to get their own episode so if you've not been read out don't worry we will be yeah feel free to drop us a line uh you can ask us questions on our patreon which is patreon.com slash kinky boys pod or you can drop us a line uh by email which is kinky boys pod at uh, gmail.com we also have mastodon mm-hmm. and twitters at, which are at kinky boys pod and you can get in touch with us directly i'm on wolf.group on mastodon i'm at buster and craig you're i'm on the bear.community community server as at boot black cub as i am everywhere across the internet and as always listeners play safe this episode of the kinky boys podcast is sponsored by Bearspace, building big, beautiful, and well-rounded butts. For more information and to sign up, visit patreon.com 
slash kinkyboyspod. Airspace. Makes your next move. Make your next porn site.